Maybe you've heard of Slack, but what is it? Slack is your new HQ. One place for everyone at your company to find answers, share updates, and stay caught up. Slack, where work happens. Get started at slack.com. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just entertain, but to educate, teach you, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Never, never in a million years did I think I'd start paying so much attention to CDC.gov. CDC.gov, the official website for the Centers for Disease Control. The organization is responsible for protecting us from the coronavirus outbreak. CDC.gov was a major reason the market could explode higher today. Dow surging 408 points. S&P polling 1.50%. NASDAQ soaring 2.10%. We don't really know how this epidemic will play out in China, where it started, the rest of the world, for that matter, where it's spreading. But the CDC is indeed getting its arms around it and slowing it down, aided by the president's decision, draconian, some would say, to basically ban foreign nationals coming from China to our shores. The result, the virus hasn't really been able to spread with alacrity here. Not like you would have expected based on what's happening in places like Wuhan. What is the CDC saying? Well, I'm going to summarize it. Put it in English. They're basically saying that the illness is a medical crisis over there in China. But it's only a public health crisis here in the United States. And therefore, it's manageable because we're real good at that. When you don't have a vaccine or a cure, you need to use a quarantine. And so far, our quarantine, a lot of critics didn't think it could happen. It's working. Yes, you see a lot of people walking around with masks, a lot more carrying Purell, which really does dry up my hands, by the way. People have Clorox wipes literally at their fingertips, something that's not even included in terrific numbers. That could be reported this morning. The remarkable thing here is what I would call the CDC's new level of certainty. When they addressed the coronavirus outbreak last Weak, oh boy, they gave us little certainty about anything from detection to prevention. Now, now they make it sound like the quarantine efforts are working and their diagnostic test is adequate. I almost feel like that we're being played. It sounds so good. The CDC scared us out of what's on Friday, knocking 600 points off the Dow. Then we were confident it was all get out today. We sent the Dow up another 400 points. 600, 400, up 100 yesterday. We're almost back. So, are we good here? Can we stop worrying? Now, I know a lot of people feel that way. They think you just have to look through the valley of the shadow of the coronavirus and imagine everything's fine. If everything's fine, stocks can surge to new highs as they did today. I'm sensitive to that. I didn't see this rally coming today. But you know what? I'm maintaining my cautious stance. I have reservations. First, right now, the market's saying that China will soon be back online. Their factors will be humming again after a rough holiday season. And that's why so many stocks with China exposure, including Chinese stocks, are roaring like Apple, which rallied 10 bucks. However, I worry that maybe that's a false sense of security about China because the situation really hasn't improved there. In fact, the CDC tells us in their same rosy projections, not going to use, that's my word, in their same certain projections, that the number of infections and the death toll will keep climbing in China. There's no solace over there. In short, China's not clear yet. Yet it's possible they'll still be back online, but it's also possible that things get worse in the PRC before they get better, and they don't come back online. 
Second, the Chinese government has injected a massive amount of stimulus in their economy, close to 250 billion, not million, billion in the past two days. But I think that's masking how bad things really are over there. That stimulus created a strain of positivity worldwide, and our markets benefited big time, too. It also seemed to relieve the tightness in our bond market, which sent yields higher, which suggests that the fight to safety trade might be over, meaning we're on more stable footing, meaning unlikely to have a recession. But let's be real. Between the illness and the quarantine and the fear of going out, the Chinese economy is slowing down. So I'd use this rosy moment to reposition, do some selling in stocks that are too levered to Chinese consumer travel, travel, and travel. I think those have got downside. Third, the earnings themselves have been terrific this week. So when you take the virus off the table, not that you really can do that, but let's say you could take it off the table, you got a bullish picture of the U.S. economy. Tech in particular is on fire. I know Alphabet reported some seemingly disappointing numbers last night, and I'm, I'm getting the feel that people think that uh, that was the only stinker. To me, Alphabet's giving us the opportunity we've been waiting for to pull the trigger. The company finally broke out the cloud and the YouTube numbers, which should only get better and better. She so got a low baseline. Yes. Even though the stock was down 2.5% today, it's still in positive territory this week. Hey, speaking of tech, you know what was the hottest group in the world was the Cloud Kings. Yeah, all the stocks we always talk about, the Adobe's of the world, they're white hot. And there's no real reason for that strength, though. Again, I find this kind of action unnerving. There's nothing driving these stocks up, aside from a cessation of new IPOs, which, by the way, does tend to bolster the group. That's my mental algorithm signaling that. We're still gradually ringing the register on our high flyers for the Chapel Trust. You can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. We're making room to buy them back at lower levels because the next time there's some bad uh, news on the coronavirus, you got to have some cash. Fair warning, I hold monthly calls for the club. I'm doing one this Thursday at 1130, and the market's gotten clobbered almost every single time while I am holding the call. Quite unnerving. Fourth, we're hearing a ton of chatter about how smaller biotech companies are closing in on either a cure for this disease or a vaccine. In my own homework, I am getting that, but I don't feel certain enough to share it with you yet. If the number of infected uh, remains low here and the disease is slowed down here, it does raise the odds that something worthwhile pans out. The prospects for discovery are much better than they were during previous epidemics, because we sequenced the virus's entire genome. I remain hopeful, but I could be wrong. We did get some, discu- some encouraging news from the FDA this evening that they have an emergency test for the disease, although I thought we already had that, but that's okay, and that the odds of a mass epidemic now seem relatively low. I thought we had that assurance, but that's okay. Fifth, the crux of this worldwide rally is that the coronavirus is manageable, that it can overwhelm our system. While that's true in the United States, almost every market roared a great deal today. Yet many of these countries are very unlikely to contain the disease. Just because it's manageable for the U.S., that doesn't mean it's manageable for them. That's important. That's what the WHO is worried about. Uh, That's why I was surprised to see so many industrials with major China exposure flying today. An awful lot of things need to go right before China can regain that 1% of GDP that I think this disease has lopped off. Maybe some of this was simply short covering, particularly here in the United States, because the CDC's downbeat stance on Friday brought out a ton of short sellers. More on that later. Long story short, we saw a rally in both the deserving and the undeserving. Finally, while the rest of the world's markets roared, I think some of today's strength, well, I think it had to do with President Trump. Does he love him or hate him? He's been great for the stock market. Between the Democratic disarray in Iowa, I don't know if you noticed that, I think it was pretty palpable, and the anticipation that their impeachment effort will fail, I think that's pretty empirical. I'm betting our market gets in a boost. Political implications is what we call it. How neutral can you get? Implications. Bottom line, 
So they seemed like a genuine relief rally, meaning it was motivated by a sense of relief that we'll make it through the epidemic intact, or at least in much better shape than we thought a few days ago. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. To me, this is an opportunity to do some portfolio reshuffling. Yes, you take profits in the ones that shouldn't be up, and you buy the ones that should when the market goes down. I want to go to Bill in Florida. Bill! Hey, Jim. Yeah, this is Bill in St. Augustine, Florida. Nice. Nice. The question that I've got, Jim, with the recent euphoria where IBM CEO Ginny Romani is stepping down after uh, April 9th, and she's announced the new CEO, Arvin Kristner, the head of their cloud computing. Yep. With all the recent euphoria, is this just a blip or does it look like that IBM finally turning the corner? First, I don't think it should have been down that much. Second, Ginny has crafted a strategy, and it's a strategy that I think is a great one, which is moving aggressively all into the cloud. That was part of the reason uh, why the, uh, Mr. Christian was named the CEO. It's also another reason why uh, Jim Whiters, remember, they brought him in, they bought Red Hat. So I think that path, when you consider how great the cloud's doing with Microsoft Azure, how terrific the cloud's doing with Amazon Web Services. How excellent the cloud's doing with the with the Google, the Google platform. Don't believe the negatives. They're wrong. Thomas Curian is doing a great job. Why not cash in for IBM? There's room for one more. I think there's a false belief that China's economy can bounce back quickly from the corona outbreak. I don't want you to get overcome here. That's why I think you should use today's rally. Take some of stocks off the table that are levered to China. Because it's not going to get better that fast. I expect those names to be in a house of pain, at least for a little while. On well, Mad Tonight, after an update on the averages, wondering who's driving this market right now, I'm giving it my take. Then, I've been urging you to, be stay, to stay cautious in the face of the coronavirus uh, outbreak. But does that tip of today's move? You have to ask, does it change the narrative? Well, we've got to be unemotional about it. We've got to check the charts. And Chipotle reported after the close tonight. Does this do its earnings signal? It's still got spice. I know that the spice I had for lunch from Chipotle is starting to upset me. I've got the exclusive. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Maybe you've heard of Slack, but what is it? Slack is your new HQ. One place for everyone at your company to find answers, share updates, and stay caught up. Slack, where work happens. Get started at slack.com. How much of this huge move today was a gigantic short squeeze? you got to understand, so much of today's rally took place on the backs of hedge funds who were poorly positioned going into the sell-off on Friday. Sell, 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 so sell. they overcompensated by shorting anything related to the coronavirus right into the teeth of the downturn. They took place, those sales, in the midst of panic. Now, the short sellers didn't count on China pouring $71 billion into the financial system today, on top of more than $170 billion yesterday all in order to prop up asset prices, which then rippled around the world. More importantly, though, they didn't imagine 
that there might not be any sellers, real sellers to speak of. Instead, we really only had sellers of the S&P futures. And they stopped once we got a sense that the Chinese have gotten the situation, uh, I guess I could say, under control. It looks like China will be back to work next week, and that's huge. Without the pressure from the S&P futures, there just wasn't much actual stock for sale, as opposed to short-sold stock. Let me give you some examples. Let's say you bet against the casino stocks with lots of Macau exposure, like Wynn in Las Vegas Sands, wagering that they'd have to shut themselves down in the face of this outbreak. Rational, right? Well, do you know anyone who made that bet was right that the casinos would shut down? There was just one problem. It didn't seem to hurt the stocks. When the longs, the current shareholders, saw the news, they didn't freak out like the short sellers needed it. Many of those owners, by the way, are index funds, and they never sell anyway. Others probably think the worst is over. They looked through the gulf. Either way, it's extraordinary that something bad happened to these Macau gambling names, and there was a shortage of major sellers. That's new. Or take Nike. Now, here's one that seemed like an obvious loser from the coronavirus epidemic. China's one of Nike's largest suppliers, also a fabulous market for them. If the Chinese economy is in trouble, shorting Nike should have been like shooting fish in a barrel, right? I mean, talk about an obvious short. Then you come in Monday and the stock gets not one, but two upgrades. Then you find out that new CEO John Donahoe, late of ServiceNow fame, is coming in to speak to large accounts this week. He's also going on camera with us to explain what's happening in China, I'm sure, and what's happening around the globe. Uh, but mostly I think about the rise of personalization and how Nike's huge technological edge is crushing everybody. The virus? Eh, a good short spoiled. Consider Ralph Lauren. The apparel space had been one of the best shorts in this market. Coles, Macy's. Macy's got a big meeting tomorrow. Better go well. Target, they've all been weak. Then PVH reported a good quarter. Nobody cared. So shorting Ralph Lauren. Talk about a layup. Nope. CEO Patrice Louvet has reinvented the business, selling more product over the Internet, especially via Instagram and the, uh, below, the uh, forlorn snap this evening. What was once a drawback, Lauren's lack of China exposure, well, it's become a virtue. It's a virtue. They don't have a lot of China exposure. The company reported a fantastic number this morning. The stock surged 9%. What they called their elevated brands having terrific sell-through. I was quite impressed. Okay, then there's one. You know, look at this. I mean, this thing is still trading like a wild man. Clorox! Many analysts have an underperformer or sell rating on the stock. Yeah, sell. Can you imagine with Clorox? With Ben O'Dora? I mean, what are they thinking? But there's a lot of shorts in it. When the shorts see, see uh, that, that there's a lot of sells and underperforms around Wall Street, they figure they got a nice loser on their hands. And Clorox hasn't had the best track record of late. Oh, but not this time. Not this time. The company delivers a better than expected quarter. It's stock down 5%. The shorts scalded. Finally, there's the electric elephant in the room. Yes, of course. I haven't mentioned it in 30 seconds. Tesla, which just keeps flying and flying and flying. It, this thing is supernatural, frankly. It is. It's not of this world. Up another 14% today. Ever since Tesla reported a profit two quarters ago, busting the bear thesis, it's been a short seller's worst nightmare. By the way, Jimmy Chill nailed this thing about 600 points ago. But people were feeling like, oh, he's late. 600 points. Let me tell you, chill is chill. Remember, when you short something, you need to borrow the stock before you can sell it to someone else. But with Tesla, there's been a shortage of stock to find. There's so many short sellers. So when you hear a legendary guy like Rod Barrett on Squawk, 
this box this morning. He's shipping this thing from the get-go, and he uses a trillion-dollar target. Well, you better believe you're going to get a classic short squeeze where the brokers have no choice but to close out your position. And this is what's known as a buy-in. And it's happening every day in Tesla. You can tell because the stock's up really big before the market opens. That's the Brokers buying it in. The shorts will keep getting squeezed out until some natural sellers finally surface. They haven't appeared yet, even up here at $887. That's an increase of 107 points, although it did trade to 968 intraday. Where are all these short sellers coming from? Okay, lots of hedge funds like to have short positions as a hedge against their longs. They like to run a neutral book, okay? They've dedicated short money. It means they have to have some shorts. And that's where the real damage is being done. The shorts are getting annihilated because they have to have shorts, and now they've become rocket fuel for the market. They are desperate for something bad to happen, anything. You know what? Now they're just doing, they just need panic. They're hoping you will panic. But you know better. The natural sellers from last Friday, suddenly, they're nowhere to be found. Stick with Craig. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In unprecedented times, access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to providing a range of relevant educational content, like timely articles, informative webcasts, and access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash market hub. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. After a spectacularly bullish day, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Now, look, I didn't see this one coming. I've been urging you to stay cautious in the face of the coronavirus outbreak. I still think caution is warranted. I'm not throwing it to the wind like so many others. But in volatile emotional markets like this one, I'm a big believer in trying to take your feelings out of the equation. And that's why when the action gets crazy like this, we're going to fall back on the technicals, the charts, because they can give us a more quantitative, less subjective, less emotional assessment of where we are. So tonight we're going off the charts with Elbeth Carolyn Barod. No, she's a brilliant technician. She uh, runs the Fibonacci Queen. We call her the Fib Queen website. Also, she's one of my colleagues at RealMoney.com, where I blog every day to get her read on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. So why don't we start with the S&P's weekly chart? Even after today's incredible rebound, Broden's wary of this one. She's throwing a caution flag on the S&P 500. In fact, she tweeted a warning on January 24th, right before the big uh, coronavirus sell-off, and her warning stands. Why does this picture make Broad nervous? Okay, simple. The S&P is approaching some critical resistance levels in terms of both price and timing. Sometimes the interpretation charts is straightforward. For example, look at the one of the last major rallies in the S&P 500. And this is the one from February of 2018 through September. Okay, it's the red line. We saw a terrific run that lasted, this is 32 weeks. Why does that matter? Because of symmetry. Remember, that's the watchword that's of of all Fibonacci work. It's the idea that swings in the same security tend to be similar in size and duration. Now, I know it sounds nuts, but you'd be surprised how often this kind of analysis can predict when a stock or an index is about to change its trajectory. We've been using Carolyn's work for so long. I have to tell you, I always check and look back. It's just been spot on. So the last run was 32 weeks. The run from June of last year through the peak last month, Ha! 33 weeks, red line. That's why Broden's concerned about symmetry. It's why she figured we were due for some weakness a week and a half ago. Nice! Meanwhile, she's also noticed some price symmetry. When the look at the S&P's big move 
from December of 2018, that was uh, when the uh, Fed saw that it was making mistakes, through May of 2018, well, this took us up $607. Keep that one in mind. That's very similar to the most recent swing from June of last year to late last month, which took us, yes, $609. They're similar enough, aren't they? In other words, the previous rally told Broden that we might be facing real resistance around 3336. Uh, 3, 3, and sure enough, the S&P peaked at 3337. If the rally's out of steam, then a bounce like we had today might not have that much staying power. Again, I didn't call this rally today, so I am looking at this and saying, yeah, I'm kind of with it. How about the daily chart? Okay, Broden likes to watch the five-day exponential moving average and the 13-day exponential moving average. All right, there we go right there. Because when the five-day goes above the 13-day, it's a pretty reliable buy signal. The last time we got that bullish crossover in the S&P was mid-October. Okay, and you can see that right here. That's the bullish crossover. But on January 29th, what did we get? A bearish crossover where the five-day goes under the 13-day. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the S&P 500 is in trouble here, but it does mean that the market could be more vulnerable to a downside correction. As long as we're on the wrong side of these moving averages, Broden urges caution. For now, she says it will be a safer bet when all the moving averages on the daily chart are back in favor of the bulls. Not just the five-day and 13-day, but you also want to see the price above the 50- and 200-day simple moving averages, even after today's when we aren't there. That said, if Broden's wrong, to be cautious, the S&P can take out the ceiling of resistance up nearly 40 points from here. Uh, yes, she thinks it could keep climbing until 3371 or even 3413. That's like a 2 to 3.5% gain from these levels. If you go to the weekly chart, remember on the daily right here, that may be 3503. It could be within reason. That would be a 6% gain. And that would be pretty sweet. On the other hand, if Broden's right that we've lost the old uptrend, the SP's cruising for bruising, then the downside could be much worse than that. There's a floor support at 2829, which would represent a 14% decline. In other words, when you think about that, 5656 five, versus 14. I don't like the risk reward. She doesn't like the risk resort. But here's something interesting. If you look at the daily chart of the NASDAQ 100, entirely different index. That's the index, of course, we know all of us, the FAM names. Uh, well, look at this. Uh, this is the NASA composite. It paints a much more enticing picture. I thought this was incredible that it could be so different from the S&P. Broden points out that the NDX hasn't had the same kind of technical breakdown at this point. Plus, it rebounded much harder today. What makes this a better chart? First, we saw the same bullish crossover, okay, with the five-day exponential moving average going above the 13 back in, in October. So we go here. This is the first crossover, okay? But unlike the S&P, the five-day here is still above, five-day blue, is still above the red line, which is the 13 days. So we have not had a bearish crossover for the NASDAQ. As Broden sees it, that means the NASDAQ 100 escaped from the recent sell-off in much better shape. And remember, that's Microsoft, uh, that's Apple, that's Facebook, and it's Amazon, okay? So, yeah, I mean, get that. This pattern holds. She expects the NDX to keep chugging along, perhaps climbing to 9495. That means you get another 2% here. On the other hand, if she sees the same kind of bearish chart in the S&P crossover with five-day going below 13 inches, all bets are offed. So, this is better chart, but there could be downside if it doesn't break out. The bottom line. After a phenomenal run today, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The charts interpreted by Carolyn Baroden suggest the S&P 500 might still be vulnerable to a nasty correction, although the NASDAQ 100 seems to be in substantially better shape. Now, I think it's worth taking those charts seriously, even as you might say, you know what, Jim? 
You said it wasn't good to get back in. I didn't tell you to sell everything. I just did have to admit, did not see this, see this decline as a buying opportunity. Nor did she. Paul in Arizona. Paul. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call and all that you do. Oh, I, thank got, you, I got bit a while back in the dot-com days, and you give me the knowledge and the confidence to get back in the game again, so I really appreciate that. Then we did good job. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. Hey, I've recently been increasing my cash position from about 10% to 30% by taking my profits from Apple, NVIDIA, Philo, those kind of stocks. With this market, one day I'm feeling pretty smart doing so, and the next, not so much. Well, I I think that's too much. Candidly, that's too much. I mean, you've got to wait for a break. I mean, we took... We took uh, the uh, for the actionlearnersplus.com club. We took it up to about 15. Uh, that's about as much as I want to take it. Uh, you want to try to get a break. You want to get back in. That's too, that's too much on the sidelines, uh, even though I know that there's real issues. Don't worry. You're going to get some bad news coronavirus. You're going to get a chance. But be ready with the shopping list. There'll be things to buy. How about we go to Nolan in New York, please? Nolan. Uh, hey, Jim. How's it going today? What? Hello? Yeah, Nolan, it's Jim. What's up? How's it going, Jim? How you doing today? Oh, good. How about you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, sure. So I've been, in, I've been investing since uh, September using the Robinhood app, and uh, I've been looking at mostly dividend stocks, uh, buying a lot of shares of companies and using the dividends as a secondary source of income. Okay. So I've been looking more towards dividend growth stocks. I've been trying to find points where I can buy in and uh, hold them for long-term growth and see returns on the growth. Sounds good. Uh, what do you think of... Yeah, what do you think of companies like uh, American Express? American Express had a fantastic quarter. Fantastic. Then a lot of selling came in because people feel with the coronavirus, you can't own a stock like American Express. I think that's wrong. American Express is a lifestyle issue. It's an experiential issue. Anyone who's been, by the way, to the Centurion Clubs, like I was in Miami, people know that there are benefits to owning these cards that hadn't been thought about before. So, no, I think that's a good one to be in. And don't necessarily confuse that with the coronavirus. All right. I don't think we're out of the woods. I think there's still things that could be wrong. Even after today's rally, the market can still be vulnerable. So please err on the side of caution. Watch what made money, including my exclusive with Chipotle. Can you stomach an investment in the company after earnings? I know I had lunch today with it, but that's not as much. You've got to know about the earnings. I'm going to tell you when it's time to buy. Then I'm sitting down with the CEO of Centene to find out how it's positioning itself for the 2020 election and beyond. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. After cleaning up from the food safety fallout, the force came back to this fast, casual superstar. With fourth quarter earnings in the books, does the stock need a little kick? Or will investors line up and order their usual? Right after the close, we got results from one of the best performing stocks of 2019, Chipotle. The Mexican chain posted a 13 cent earnings beat off a $2.73 basis, higher than expected revenue, up 17% year over year. Even better, their same store sales grew at a 13.4% clip, much better than the 9.8% number that Wall Street was looking for. Oh, and the uh, digital business, it's exploding up 78%. It's about 20% of the business. Stock didn't do much in FDR's trading, but I think it's because it's been on an incredible tear, up 250% from its lows just a couple of years ago when we said it's time to buy. Can the momentum be maintained? Let's take a close look with Jack Hartung, the CFO of Chipotle Mexico. Bill. Learn more about the quarter and where the company's headed. Jack, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Great to hear your voice. All right, Jack, two things jump out of me here. An, an incredibly fast-growing loyalty program, already $8 million. It just started. And then 19.6% of your sales are already digital. These two th- initiatives came out of nowhere, and I think they're just beginning. 
Jim, listen, I couldn't agree more. We're just getting started. Um, you know, the loyalty, if you compare our loyalty plan to other, uh, you know, companies that have had a loyalty plan at the same stage, we're way ahead of that. Uh, we think that's a tribute to the, you know, the, the natural loyalty that people have at Chipotle brand, but also to the marketing and the awareness building, uh, to, you know, attract people into the, into the program. The best thing though, Jim, is we haven't really monetized that. We haven't really turned that into a personalized program where we're communicating on a one-to-one basis with our customers. So, um, this is more what I would call it infrastructure building. And I think on the digital, the same thing is what we found is that the more convenient we can make, uh, make it for our customers to, to eat Chipotle when and where and how they want to, whether it's delivery, whether it's pickup, whether it's pickup and knock it out of your car with our new Chipotle lanes, our customers are responding, and we're in early days in every one of those uh, elements. Now, I, I think people should understand, and there was an article today I was reading after saying, well, the costs are up. The fact is, is that the costs that you take up front are not are very small compared to what you're going to be able to get from a newly loyal customer. Yeah, no question about it, Jim. You know, during the year, our margins grew 180 basis points. During the quarter, they grew 220 basis points. And yet we do have these investments that are embedded into our cost structure. And so we feel like the margin potential, while our margins have grown significantly, we think the the potential for even greater margin expansion in the future, as long as we continue to attract more customers, you know, into the Chipotle system and including into the digital system, which has, you know, tends to have a higher margin, we think the margin potential only goes up from here. One of the things I love about your company is, Yes, everybody has to compete on wages, but you're competing with mental health benefits. You're competing with tuition free. You're competing with social things that we all love that we never expected to get from a restaurant. Yeah, you know, it's a tough environment to attract and then to keep, um, you know, great people. And what we found as we talked to our, to our folks is, yes, they want a competitive wage. And so that those are table stakes, and you've got to pay what the going uh, wage is. But then you've got to invest in your people. And invest means invest to develop them so that they can be uh, great in the kitchen. Invest to develop them so they can run a business. Invest to develop them so they can be great leaders. But they also do need some uh, help, another helping hand uh, in, in some cases. Mental health, not only for our employees, but for their families as well, is something that makes them feel uh, good about being part of Chipotle. Not just the employee, but their family as well. They feel like they're, um, you know, wanted and needed and appreciated, uh, you know, in, in the Chipotle family. Debt-free degrees was a big deal. I mean, it was great for years. We've had tuition reimbursement or tuition assistance, but it still meant that people were going to leave their their college experience with some debt. And, you know, that can be crippling to some folks. And so we took care of that that as well. So it takes some of those worries that are outside of the Chipotle, uh, you know, four walls, if you will, so that when they come to Chipotle, they can commit their, their, their whole entire self. And we think that's going to be a great way for us to retain our best people for a very long time. You're also doing something new that I just love, and I think a lot of us would love. You're doing a test of new formats, one of which is a walk-up window, window across from Wrigley Field. Can we see this blown out? That's got to be a big success. Yeah, you know, I was at that restaurant, uh, you know, uh, several weeks ago, Jim. Uh, the restaurant is fantastic. It's a little over 2,000 feet, so it's a little smaller than our, our normal footprint. Um, it's our new design. It looks great. As soon as you walk in the restaurant, uh, digital pickup shelves are right there. But if you don't want to walk in the restaurant, which, you know, on game day, I'm sure there is going to be a crowd out there. All you have to do is order ahead and walk up to the window. And um, it's the first one of its kind in the country. We've got a couple other sites that we think that we can take a shot at it. I wouldn't expect to see every restaurant with a walk-up window, but in urban areas where it looks like there's a lot of walk-up business, again, it's another opportunity for us to make the Chipotle experience even more um, convenient than ever. Whenever customers respond by saying, this is how I want to eat Chipotle, we're going to try to deliver. 
Are you happy with what the uh, different companies are doing with delivery for you? Are you able to uh, be sure and monitor the quality, given the fact that a lot of these delivery companies they have the same guy doing 40 different things? And it's usually not Chipotle style. You know, generally we are, Jim. Uh, with delivery, um, there, there, there are execution challenges, and that's both on our side and on the delivery company side as well. You know, the delivery experience, we're making the meal without the customer walking down the line like, like, right. like they would in the restaurant. We've got to make sure we execute at a very high level so that we don't forget anything. And then we've got to have a partner where we get feedback about how the experience is. How was the timeliness? What was the quality of the food? And we've got to uh, really partner together to make sure when we disappoint our customers, we both have to own that. And so far, so good. And that's why we've been very careful about not just signing up with every single uh, delivery company. We did on today's call say we're open to the idea of exploring some additional aggregators, but it's got to be the right partnership, not just in terms of the business terms of, yes, you'll pick up our food and here's what we'll pay you. It's got to be an end-to-end brand experience that we're both proud of. All right, one last question. Uh, there were a surprising number of new Chipotle's opened up. Uh, I was, there are some people who think that there is no more room for Chipotle. It seems to me that, if anything, there is, an, there is much more room for Chipotle than we thought. We're not even halfway there, Jim. Um, <sighs> yeah, we opened a record number of restaurants, 80 in the fourth quarter. We're just over 2,600. By today's math, we know that we can double that. But when we do things like Chipotle, that creates opportunities for us to go into trade areas that maybe we couldn't have before, where you can put a smaller restaurant where you have a drive-up window. Um, and those are we're looking right now at trade areas that we hadn't looked at in the past. So I think as we approach that number of you know 5,500 or so, that number is only going to go up. And so, yeah, we're in early days in terms of how many restaurants we can bring to our customers. And venues that I haven't thought of or venues that we really need more of, like airports? We're in a couple of airports right now. Uh, we're open to the idea of getting into more airports. They're a little more challenging to get into unless you want to look at a franchising model. Um, we've not franchised any of our restaurants across the world, mainly because we want to make sure that we do have um, you know, full control over the brand experience that we're providing to our customers. So um, customers do want us to appear in airports. Right. We just got to make sure we work on the, the right deal and who controls that experience. Oh, good. I'll know you'll never compromise. We know what others have done. <laughs> they've compromised and they've hurt their brands. Jack Hartung, CFO of Chipotle. Big news here. They can put up a lot more. There's a lot more ahead. Man, money's back into the break. It is time. It's time for the light round. Because you're time for, of course, one of the shows. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, Dad, it's time for the lightning round. Because you're time for the Garrett, in our Garrett. Jimmy Chip. Yo, yo, man. You got the chill, man. You got the chill, man. What's up? My friend Max introduced me to you last year. I'm a huge fan ever since. Thank you for helping us young guys understand the market. Young people are allowed to learn. They don't have to just put their money in index funds. What's up? Immune Therapeutics just got FDA approval for their first peanut allergy treatment. It's the first of its kind, first of the market. They're predicting huge sales. Is this potential forecast legit or is it overhyped? I think we're late to the party. Now, that said, it's down three today if you want to get involved, at least by yesterday when they got the news. But I think we are late. People have known this well ahead of time. Let's go to Kevin in Minnesota. Kevin. Booyah, Jenny. Booyah. Hey, hey um, I think you should consider getting these guys uh, on the show sometime. 1-800-Flowers. Well, you know, we've had them on before. I think it's a good, solid franchise. I'm not going to say it's going to shoot the lights out. I think it's fine. Let's go to Joe in California. Joe. 
Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener. Oh, good to have you. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, um, thanks to you, I got back into, uh, back in September, I got into a company, Sellside, ticker CBM, and I just want to know what your thoughts are Look, on the company. We are a big believer in immunotherapy now that we have gene sequencing, and that's part of it. It's part of a speculative box that we are in favor of, even up here. Let's go to Gerard, New Jersey. Gerard. Hey, Jim Kramer. How are you? I am good. How about you, Gerard? Good, thank you. Hey, this stock was on a tear, and now it's dead in the water. What happened to CVS? Yeah, CVS had some board issues. Uh, they got a guy they bought Aetna's from. He's not too happy. Uh, but I'll tell you, the real issue here is Aetna's expensive. And a lot of people are fleeing these healthcare stocks again because they're very worried about single-payer and the Democratic Party and the Aetna acquisition, whether it's too big, too much. And I, I have to tell you, it's an issue. But my chapel trust owns it. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer. Dave. Tic Tac. It's Teladoc. TDOC. Dave, I'm a believer in Teladoc. You know, we had doctors on demand yesterday. I think anything that cuts the price of so many parts of the healthcare system by looking at. up. You know, they get the Teladoc. It's got the saving of the money in the healthcare system. I like that. We're going to Eric in Colorado. Eric. Booyah, Professor Kramer. Booyah. Professor. Time, I like that. First time caller, long time viewer. I've read all your books. Oh, man, it's uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm cooking, I might be cooking up a new one. What's going on? Well, I've made some money on this one already, and I want your thoughts. Let's see if it's time to back up the truck again. My stock is Sir Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic. No, I think, it, look, it got cut in two thirds and now coming back up. I think you wait for another time for it to go down, and then you do it over, or you say, okay, listen, I had that one. That train has, well, that. That rocket has gone. Let's go to Joe in South Carolina. Joe. Booyah, Dr. Kramer. Wow. The Carnac of stock. First Whoa, Carnac the Magnificent. What's up? Uh, thank you for having all of us home gamers out. I have a twofer for you. You think Abby is a buy, sell, or hold going into earnings? And with the recent downgrade of Norfolk Grumman by Goldman Sachs, would you be a buyer or seller of Lockheed Martin? Okay, so the first one is AbV. My chapel trust owns it. I think it's going to be a good quarter. The second one, Lockheed Martin, I think is excellent. And uh, don't uh, don't read anything from Northrop. I don't think it's that. I know that people are worried about the chart. That's about it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Make of the health insurance space in a world where some candidates who favor single payer actually have a real shot at the Democratic presidential nomination. We just heard from Kramer Faves Centene this morning. Here's a managed care provider that focuses on government sponsored plans. They just completed their acquisition of WellCare, making them one of the largest players in the industry, actually, one of the largest companies in the country. Centene reported a mostly solid quarter with inline earnings, higher than expected sales. There were some blemishes, like a weaker than anticipated medical loss ratio. We'll cover that, meaning they had to spend more on coverage. But Centene's shares ultimately got hit today, closing down 1.4%. Well, you got to remember that stocks up nearly 50% over the past four months. And the whole time we've been following in on it. So the question is, can the stock resume its run? Let's check in with Michael Dyndorf. He's the chairman and CEO of Centene. He had a better rate in the quarter and the well-care deal. Mr. Nardoff, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Okay, so Michael, first thing i got to ask you. Do you like wake up in the middle of the night and say, you know what, there are candidates in the Democratic Party who would basically make it so that there is no Centene? No. You know, if, we, if you look at the whole thing, Jim, you know, 
uh, you know, Medicare for all, that's a sound bite. Right. You know, you look at what it would cost. We can't afford it. $33, $38 billion on a $58 billion, but trillion, I'm sorry. Trillion. Trillion over 10 years, not affordable. Also, America, the only way a single payer controls costs is to withhold service. Right. And I can show you many places where that's the case. Americans aren't going to put up with that. Now, in an exchange, how much services withheld? No. It works. I mean, we, our exchange is so successful. We had 82% renew. We had a 86% uh, effectuation rate. Uh, you know, it's just every aspect, 96% effectuation rate, excuse me. It's just, it's a very successful product. People like it. Now, people do like it, but I only hear about it from you. Um, and I wonder whether that isn't because it, no one seems to, I know this is going to strange change. Michael, people don't know who Centene is. You're gigantic. Maybe you got to change your name or something. Well, you know, I, you know, that's the way it happens to me. I can't figure it out either. I've talked to people about it. But you are the biggest. We, we're a hundred-plus billion-dollar company this year. We're number, we'll be in the 20s when they look at it this year. Fortune 20 the, company. We're, we're in the 120 or so in that internationally. You know? But, you know, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is our shareholders. I was just looking. The, over the last 10 years, there's been a 28% CAGR right. on shareholder price. So, you know, you look at those things, that's really what counts. Well, okay, so a lot of that is bought, but you had really good organic growth this quarter. Yes, we, we, it's, it's been good all year. We had, this past year, we had close to $7 billion in organic growth. And we're focused on organic growth. Now, the WellCare deal, that was very special. Right. But are you going to keep buying or are you done? Well, I said today on the call, we will buy capability. Right. Okay? And, and that's, that's important. But at the right time, the right place, if we see the right opportunity, sure, we'll buy it. Now, one of the things that you said on your call that, you know, people just, they want to go right to that medical loss ratio. You called another thing benefits ratio. But you did something, you know, just glossed over because that's the way our business is done. But it's got to stop. You did Social Health Bridge, OPN Youth Challenge, Food for Today, Food for tomorrow. These are what I care about. It's holistic. Let's hear about it. Well, what we've done is we've identified opportunities to help people in a very holistic way. And we've been doing this for years, long before they had the terminology for us. Right. And we find that you know, it takes treating the whole person. If you're worried about your food, you know, your health state's not going to be good. So by doing this, we find we improve the health state. All right. Now, uh, the president... Uh, has I'm not sure where he actually stands other than the fact that I know that he thinks the exchanges are a failure, okay? How does he think the exchanges are a failure, or is that just rhetoric? Because we have to stand I, the union address. I think there's some rhetoric. I mean, okay. if you look at the success of the program and where things are at, it's just like you, know, you were talking about this quarter and our yeah. MLR. I, yeah, I we're going to get to that. Okay. Well, talk about it, because, look, you talk about it's a moderate increase in flu-related. We're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. But you said they were higher than our ex- – your costs were higher than our expectations. I'm not used to seeing that in the centene quarter. What happened is we also explained a lot of it was we had some uh, balanced billing issues. So balanced we, billing issues. Yes. Well, you know, somebody goes to a, non- a non-participating provider. Right, right. Put, so we settled all that with those providers. That's a one-time. And we, but part of that settlement was they became providers. I so see. we took the one-time hit for that right. payment in the quarter, but it's going to benefit us this year and going forward. All right. Well, that's important. So, you know, you do these Okay, so it comes out in the makes, wash. I know yeah, it makes sense. All right. So you, there was, we have, maybe you can give us this perspective. We've had a horrendous flu season, haven't we? 
It's been stronger than, than it typically is. Do you think it's cavalier to say we should be thinking about the almost the 9,000 deaths that we've had from the flu before we just completely can uh, drive ourselves nuts about the coronavirus? Well, I've talked about that. That's the average year. But, you know, the coronavirus, it's captured everybody's attention. Right. And I think we need to take steps to protect against it. I was glad to see the FDA now has a test for people so they know whether they really have it or not. Right. So, I mean, we need to do what we can to protect people. But, you know, every year there is a flu. It's a fact of life. And unfortunately, 8,000 people in this, 9,000 in this country die of flu every year. How about if they got the shot? Do you think it would be a lot lower? I think it helps. You know, we do everything we can to encourage it. We provide the free shots. We, we do a flu entrance program with TV ads and things. We call it flu flu French. Fluentian. Fluentian. You like those things, though. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of these things where we tell people to help prevent the flu, get your injections. But you don't sound scared about this coronavirus. Well, I'm concerned, but you know... At every generation, every we always have something, and we right. deal with it. As you deal with the facts as you have it today, and we're continuing to do that, and that's all you can do. And if I want to ensure that if somebody has the flu or has an issue, they get the highest quality of care. Because so that long term is what really counts. Okay, that's uh, Michael Nidorf, chairman and CEO of Centene. Guys, this is a gigantic company. It's big in the area that a lot of people think isn't doing well. But it is good. And you heard from Michael. People like the service. Mad Money's back after the break. As I said at the top of the show, there is still much happening around the outbreak story. And we have it covered. Up next, my partner Carl Continia has a special CNBC report on the spreading coronavirus. And it is still spreading. Carl is all over every angle, and you cannot afford to miss this. We had a really interesting interview. I don't know if you caught it when when Jack Hartung, CFO of Chipotle, talked about being able to double the number of Chipotles. Well, you know what? That could double the numbers that you saw tonight. So I don't want you to think that this move is over. There is still plenty of room. And if the stock sells off tomorrow, it's a mistake and it's worth buying. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow, and the CBC Special Report begins now. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.